Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Welcome in to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. My name is Joel Silverberg. Appreciate you checking out the KIB pod presented by Field Pass Hockey. Fieldpasshockey.com and the Field Pass Hockey mobile app is available for the App Store and on Google Play. They've got everything for you when it comes to minor league hockey. From the SPHL to the ECHL to the AHL, Field Pass Hockey has you taken care of. So be sure to check them out online at fieldpasshockey.com. They've got photo galleries, live game broadcasts, blogs, and more to help you keep up with the Knoxville Ice Bears, your favorite players when they get called up to the ECHL, or any other team that you follow in minor league hockey. Field Pass Hockey has you taken care of. It's a weekend sweep for the Knoxville Ice Bears as they get ready for a big two-game weekend coming up and a bit of an unorthodox two-game weekend uh, with a Thursday-Sunday slate instead of the usual Friday-Saturday or even a Thursday-Saturday, but instead it's a Thursday-Sunday with nothing on Friday and Saturday as Knoxville is one of only three teams so far this season that has played 48 games or more, so a couple of other teams in the SBHL needing to catch up in the games played category. So Knoxville and Huntsville with 48 games played each, Quad City with 49, and that's actually where we start with Knoxville and Quad City from this past weekend as we get started with the game on Friday. Knoxville got off to a bit of a slow start. Quad City had seven of the first 10 shots on goal. Logan Nelson scored halfway into the first period. Knoxville is outshot 10-9 to in the first, then started to take control in the second period. They tied that game and got outshot heavily throughout the course of the third period, but then Knoxville able to take some momentum. Brady Florent gets a bit of a tough angle goal that slips by Bailey Birkin, who had played really, really well for the better part of two and a half periods. And so Knoxville takes a two to one lead with six minutes left to go in the game. Andrew Ballant scores on an empty netter. Carter Shinkarik gets one back 20 seconds later, and then Ballant scores again on the empty net. And so Knoxville manages to come away with a 4-2 win in a game that was pretty close, uh, considering that Quad City outshot Knoxville. Christian Stead, who came back from South Carolina, his second stint with the Stingrays in the ECHL, really solid night in net, stopping 28 of 30 shots. And obviously the big news for Knoxville from a personnel standpoint was Jimmy Perita coming back after a three-month stint in the ECHL, and he returned on Friday officially, so Christian Stead had been with the team for a few days by that point, so was more rested, so Jeff Carr opting to give Stead the start in net with him not just getting off a plane or, or a long drive and coming in that morning and Stead went out and had a really solid game and, and that's five games in a row now for Christian Stead in an Ice Bears uniform where he's been really solid. He's led his team to a win and Knoxville continues on what's been a pretty good offensive streak here uh, as of late and now the Ice Bears have won three straight games. That was game number two of that current three-game streak as Saturday, Knoxville came out 
really strong in the first period. They outshot Quad City 14-5. to They had the first two goals of the game. Connor Fries responded for Quad City to make it a 2-1 to game. There was no scoring in the second, and so it looked like we were going to be heading for another tight contest, especially because of the way that Quad City started to take control of the pace of play and outshot Knoxville 12-7 to in the second period and then actually outshot Knoxville 16-9 to in the third And that's actually fairly significant because Knoxville had 10 power plays on the night. Quad City only had three, and the Storm still outshot Knoxville in both games. And and just the amount of power plays that Knoxville had throughout the course of the weekend, 16 power plays, only scored two power play goals. But whenever you spend more time on the power play, I mean, you're just preventing your opponent from being able to do so much. I mean, you think about this 10 power plays and obviously there was some overlap there. There were a couple of five on three opportunities. There were some four on four hockey, but 10 power plays for your opponent. That's a third of the game that you're likely not going to score. That's a third of the game that you're shorthanded. That's a third of the game that you're having to play on your heels in your own end. And despite frustration at times with Knoxville's power play the Ice Bears are still a top three power play percentage team in the league the power play's been good and they got two power play goals in the third period on Saturday Brady Florent again giving Knoxville some insurance halfway through the third and then Rasmus Wax and Engback uh, with his uh, first goal of the night but he had a three-point night on Saturday, and we'll talk more about him in just a moment. Florent gets an empty net goal, and then Sam Turner actually scored 19 seconds later off a rebound after Quad City put Bailey Birkin back in. So Knoxville scores four goals in the third period. The Ice Bears win 6-1. to one. They score 10 goals on the weekend, and just a really high offensive-powered performance from the Ice Bears across two games. And now we go back to the standings, and the Ice Bears find themselves in second place with a game against third-place Peoria coming up on Thursday. Those two teams combined to win eight games in a row. Huntsville has won seven in a row, so the top three teams starting to pull away from the rest of the pack to make it a three-horse race. And for a while, it looked like Quad City and Fayetteville could make some headway there. And Fayetteville, theoretically, I think still could. They've only played 46 games, and they trail Peoria by eight points, but they've won three straight. They've won seven of their last 10. And so maybe the marksman could put something together here, but the the odds would suggest that the top three teams in the standings as of right now are going to finish in that order. The reason that this weekend was significant for Quad City because the Ice Bears uh, only had about a six-point lead or so on the storm. And so if Quad City had swept the weekend, then you'd be talking about the possibility of Knoxville maybe falling back to fourth place. And now the Ice Bears have given themselves at least a little bit of a cushion with eight games remaining in the regular season. Peoria and Fayetteville still have 10 games to play. So a lot of hockey remains. And we'll get more into into the schedule this upcoming weekend because it actually is significant for Knoxville, even though the Ice Bears only play two games on Thursday and Sunday this weekend. But Quad City has played more games than any other team in the SPHL. They've played 49, so only seven games remain. With Fayetteville's shootout win over Macon on Saturday, Quad City takes a regulation loss to Knoxville. The Quad City Storm fall to fifth place in the SPHL standings. They are a point behind Fayetteville, and Fayetteville has three games in hand over Quad City. So, Based on what we're looking at right now, it would be suggested that Fayetteville will end the season as the four seed, Quad City as the five. Remember, those two teams just played each other in a three-game weekend not too long ago. Quad City took two of three in that series, and so that could potentially be your four-five matchup 
in the first round of the playoffs. And, and again, we we spoke about this uh, with Doug Price back at the beginning of the season. There is no challenge round this year, so the playoff format is going to be a standard one versus eight, two versus seven, and so on in the first round. And then the seeds will be reshuffled. So if we get chalk, it'll be one versus four and then two versus three in the semifinals. But if we get some upsets, then it will be the highest remaining seed playing the lowest remaining seed. And then the other two teams will face off in the semifinals with the higher seeded team having home ice advantage. So Knoxville in pretty good shape. Nothing is solidified yet, but Knoxville in pretty good shape to at least host a first-round playoff series uh, in the first round, and playoff dates have yet to be determined, but uh, you can best believe that uh, that information will be pushed out as soon as we know when the regular season for Knoxville ends on April 9th, and then the SPHL season actually ends on April 10th. A makeup game had to be rescheduled, uh, I believe, for Pensacola and Macon on April 10th, and right now that, that game could play into some seeding just with Pensacola's part, depending on how close they are to chasing down Quad City or how close Evansville or Roanoke is to maybe catching up to Pensacola here in the final stretch of the regular season. Pensacola sitting in the sixth seed right now, 10 points behind Quad City, but with four games in hand. And then they have a five-point lead over Evansville, but two games in hand over the Thunderbolts. So a 4-2 win for Knoxville over Quad City on Friday and then a 6-1 win for Knoxville over the Storm on Saturday. Christian Stead, a really another solid night in net. He had a 32-save performance with 33 shots against and I think you just really have to like what Knoxville's doing right now. And you have to feel confident getting Stead back and then getting Parita back. And we haven't seen Parita in a game still since December uh, because he didn't play in either game over the weekend. But, hey, that's a good thing if if you're Knoxville because you didn't need uh, Jimmy Parita because Christian Stead was able to go out and get the job done. And I think Stead is playing much more confidently and – that had to be a good performance, too, coming back in the middle of the week after going to South Carolina again, being gone for a couple of weeks, and then coming back and getting two wins where you only give up three goals on the weekend. Because if you remember the last time Stead left for the ECHL, he came back three weeks later and gave up five goals to Roanoke. So uh, now, granted, Stead came back that day and was thrust into action, and then he responded really well by picking up four consecutive wins before getting called up again. So I, I think it's important to point out that it was a better situation this time around for Christian just from a rest and availability standpoint. And for Parida, hey, he, he, he's not done. I, I think Jeff Carr is going to heavily rely on both of those guys moving forward as we get closer to the postseason. But we've got a big game coming up on Thursday with Knoxville and Peoria. And if Knoxville wins could really set the stage for the Ice Bears to make a big run here at the end of the season. I'll explain why on the other side. Also, Rasmus Waxen back a big game on Saturday, but we've got to talk about what the Ice Bears did on, on the weekend and why it's significant considering some of the roster attrition that they had to take going into Friday night's game especially. I'm Joel Silverberg. We'll be right back with more right here on the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey. In the slot, looking, shot, scores! Whoa, yes, an overtime game winner gives Knoxville a 3-2 win on the road. This presentation of Knoxville Ice Bears Hockey can also be heard while you're on the go via the Field Pass Hockey app. Read articles on your favorite team, view photo galleries, listen to live games and podcasts from across the AHL, ECHL, and SPHL by downloading the app, now available in the Google Play and Apple app stores. 
Appreciate you listening to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey. Again, it is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Rasmus Waxenangback had a three-point night on Saturday, a goal and two assists. He assisted on Stepan Timofeyev's one-timer goal in the first period, which there was just a really, and it wasn't necessarily like the hardest shot, but Timofeyev got it off so quickly. It just had a nice snap to it. And, and so it really was set up well that the accuracy was almost more impressive than the actual shot power. It was a fast shot, but I, I think just with the way that Birkin was positioned, because he wasn't having to go fully left to right, Wax and Angback fed him in the left circle from the high slot. It's not like he went across the zone entirely and Waxenangback made a nice move to split two defensemen and then flip the puck over to Timo Feyev. But Timo just put it kind of lower on the short side post where Birkin really didn't have a chance to get it with the blocker or the stick. And so I, I was just happy to see Timo Feyev hit that kind of goal. We know that he can muscle through and hit shots from the perimeter, but the fact that Knoxville is able to set up some of those one-timers and that the tape-to-tape passing is becoming a little bit more crisp, that is some encouraging stuff going into the playoffs as we get ready for the final few games here of the regular season. But Knoxville went into this weekend with some tough news. Stepan Timofeyev was given a one-game suspension, so he did not play on Friday because of an interference penalty that he took against Birmingham the previous weekend. And then Dino Balsamo, you know, he, he had a boarding penalty. At least that was ruled by the league after the fact. But he checked a player into the boards, got into a fight with a teammate, one of Birmingham's teammates, not his own, and, and uh, ended up serving a five-minute major for fighting. Well, Derek Kalees, the referee, called it a clean hit on the ice. And so there was no additional penalty given to Dino. And then he was handed a three-game suspension by the league. If you heard the pregame interview with Jeff Carr on Friday, then you know that Jeff was obviously fuming about the suspension. And I was very surprised when the suspension got handed down because I had heard some rumors and, and some chatter about the game that had been played between Roanoke and Peoria that night and how... There was a lot of tension. There were a lot of scraps. There were expected suspensions coming from that game. And instead, the only thing that's handed down from Peoria and Roanoke is Roanoke defenseman Matt O'Day, who's one of the top scoring defensemen in the league, was given a one-game suspension for boarding. And then you've got Dino with a hit that was called clean on the ice. And if, if the hit happens you know, six inches further away from the boards, I don't know if there's contact with the wall there. And so it's unfortunate what happened. Obviously, the player was injured. You never want to see that uh, happen to anybody where you know a hard hit results in a, a potentially significant injury. But, you know, the hit was ruled clean on the ice. I I thought that Dino got him in the midsection and it was more a result of the fall and where the player landed that resulted in the injury that results in the suspension. And so Jeff obviously doesn't agree with it. I know there are people within the Ice Bears organization that are upset with it. And And it's tough for Dino from a statistical standpoint because he and technically he still is because he hasn't played a game where it hasn't happened yet. But he is on a 10 game point streak and he had two goals in the win over Birmingham and was chasing Jacob Barber for the top goal scorer in the SPHL. And Marcel Godbout's now have had a big weekend. And so he's kind of climbing up that leaderboard. And so for Dino, it, it kind of really puts a, a shot into his opportunity to take that title. And he'll still have a chance to do it, obviously, because he'll still have games to play. But he's going to miss that Peoria game. And that's a significant loss for Knoxville. 
But now we go back to Rasmus Wax and Engback, and it always seems that whenever somebody has a point streak that ends for whatever reason, somebody else steps up. At one point, you had McVay on a long point streak. You had Jason Price on an 11-game point streak. J.B. Baker had a 12-game point streak earlier in the year. And now you've got Dino on, a, on an active 10-game point streak. But Rasmus Wax and Engback has 11 points in his last six games. He's got three multi-point games in that stretch, and he has five goals in that span as well. And so it's kind of been quiet too. Like it's it's one of the quieter two point per game nearly streaks that we haven't been talking about. And so he had a nice goal in the Quad City win on Friday. Has a three point night on Saturday and just seems to constantly be in the right place at the right time. And he's been exceptional these last three weekends for Knoxville. But that goes to show the quality and the depth of this team. And there's been some line shuffling just because of Andrew Ballant coming back from the ECHL, because of J.B. Baker being banged up a few a uh, couple of months ago, because of you know suspensions being handed down. Casey Kolcheski gets placed on the IR. And so you've had to change up some lines here and there at times and it's still working. Knoxville's putting up goals. Knoxville's still one of the highest scoring teams in the SPHL and lately they've been on a really good tear. I mean, we're talking about a 10-goal weekend against the team that went into Friday night as the fourth-ranked team in the SPHL. So, Knoxville continues to put up offense and as long as the defensive core manages to continue to hold itself together, you get quality goaltending, you have to really feel good about the way Knoxville's playing going into April and I think it just goes to show Rasmus Waxen-Engback continuing to show out in a big way. And Brady Florin, I I think, has played really, really well, too, after having to be given a bigger role just because of the lack of bodies at times that Knoxville's dealt with in the last couple of weeks. He's got four goals in his last three games. Um, He's got five points in his last five games overall. And that kind of comes after a run where he only had three points in about a seven or eight game stretch. And, And so now you're seeing him step up and he starts to play at a higher level And it's just been good to see Brady step into that role because, you know, he was in the ECHL for so long and then he comes in mid-season and doesn't join the team until mid-January. And so at that time, Knoxville's kind of got their top two lines set. Brady comes in, he starts playing at a high level and, you know, he comes in and gets two goals in that first weekend. And and now he's consistently putting production together on the ice. You're starting to see J.B. Baker find his groove again after he kind of dealt with that upper body injury where he had to miss a three-game weekend. It's just been good to see, and it seems like any given night, Knoxville's got a number of forwards that can step up and provide offense in a big way. I thought that was a big character weekend for Knoxville, too, that they don't have Kolcheski. Okay, so you've got to find that grit guy that's going to give you net front presence. You, you don't have Balsamo the entire weekend, so your leading goal scorer and a guy that was on a tear over the last three weeks and then you don't have Timo Feyev on Friday night, who's a big energy guy, draws a lot of penalties, and Knoxville just continued to play its own brand of hockey, and it won two games against a really good hockey team. You have to be thrilled, I think, if you're an Ice Bears fan, with what Knoxville has done throughout the course of this recent run. And obviously, you go back to last Friday, you would have liked to have had the win over Huntsville. Thursday's going to be a big win. If, if you lose that game on Thursday, you're going to be frustrated. But I think you have to like what the Ice Bears have an opportunity to do here because it's still anybody's game. And I know that Peoria's got games in hand over Knoxville and Huntsville. Huntsville has the inside track right now uh, because they've got a two-point lead over Knoxville and the same number of games played. But all in all, Knoxville still controls a little bit of its own destiny. And here's why. 
after Peoria comes to Knoxville to take on the Ice Bears on Friday and Saturday, they have to go to the Von Braun Center. And that is not going to be easy to play Huntsville on the road twice. And so it's a big three-game road swing for Peoria. And then Peoria is probably thinking, man, if we go and get a three-game sweep, then surely we've got the number one seed in the bag because you're that's a that's a huge four-point swing against Huntsville and it's a big two-point swing against the Ice Bears so obviously it's a big weekend for Peoria but it's a big weekend for all three of those teams if Knoxville gets a win on Thursday and you know obviously you're hoping that maybe the two teams just split regulation games you're hoping that the games don't go to overtime obviously when you get this close to the season you're fighting for number one you you don't want to see teams share points but Peoria has to go to Huntsville on Friday and Saturday. Knoxville finishes out the season home against Macon on Sunday, a home and home against Birmingham the following weekend, two road games at Roanoke, and then a home and home against Evansville. And obviously any team on any given night can beat any other team as Knoxville has lost games to Roanoke this year. They got throttled by Birmingham at the beginning of February. They lost a game at Macon in overtime back in January, but if, if Knoxville wins over Peoria on Thursday, Knoxville's final seven games are against teams that are in the bottom half of the standings. And, and so naturally, the expectation is that Knoxville goes in with the thought, hey, we are capable of winning every game on our schedule the rest of the way out. And obviously, you would never just simply expect a team to go on this massive 11-game win streak to close out the regular season, but it means that Knoxville has a real opportunity to get points and potentially climb up the standings despite the fact that from a percentage standpoint, Knoxville still sits in third because Huntsville and Peoria have that inside track with Peoria having games in hand over both those top two teams. But that's just something to look at. There has to be optimism. Now, granted, every playoff series that you face is going to be tough. You're trying to win six games in the month of April before you lose two in a span of three. And if you drop those two games, then your season's over. But I, I think Knoxville has just set itself up really well because of what it's done uh, to Quad City over the weekend. And, and you know, Fayetteville's got some tough games coming up, and Roanoke is still, I think, a team that I would not totally fall asleep on despite the fact that they've lost eight in a row in regulation because we have seen how good Roanoke can be at times despite what has happened uh, to the rail yard dogs over the last several weeks. Evansville is starting to find a little bit of another gear, and then Pensacola is quietly on a six-game point streak. So I I think Pensacola, worst-case scenario, what it's doing is putting itself in position that it won't fall to that seven seed. And Knoxville can attest, last year, doesn't matter what seed Pensacola is, if you go down to Pensacola in April, or in last season's case, May, for a playoff series, you better be ready because they pack that house. It gets loud at the Bay Center. You need to be ready to go because Pensacola is capable of winning a title in any given season. Rod Aldoff knows what it takes to put together a championship team. And so if Pensacola is that six seed, you might want to avoid that three spot. You, you better be careful because that is not a six seed that you want to sleep on going into the postseason. But it's it, it's optimistic, I think. You've got a lot of teams playing really good hockey right now. And right now, the top four teams in the SPHL standings are all on an active three-game win streak or better. Fayetteville and Knoxville have won three in a row. Peoria, five in a row. Huntsville, seven in a row. Knoxville, of course, going to try to stop that five-game win streak for the Rivermen. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode of the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey. Again, they've got credentialed writers and photographers. They get people two games to be able to cover the SPHL 
ECHL, and they do it across minor league hockey, the ECHL and the American Hockey League as well. They have everything there for you at fieldpasshockey.com. You can download the Field Pass Hockey mobile app for free on the App Store or on Google Play, so you can check out this podcast, live game broadcast, including our MixLR broadcast for Knoxville Ice Bears Hockey, so you can download the Field Pass Hockey app, and you can listen to the Ice Bears and the Rivermen coming up this Thursday night at 7.30. Again, we're going to have a jersey auction for you. That is going to be right after the game. Ten players are going to have their jerseys auctioned for St. Hattrick's Night at the Coliseum. And don't forget, on Saturday at 12 o'clock at the Coliseum, it's going to be our second-ever skills competition. So the Ice Bears are going to put that together. They're going to have a lot of drills. We're introducing a new redirect challenge that we're really excited about. And we're going to have local youth skaters as well from ProVision Hockey Academy, former Ice Bears goalie Brian Hintz, the 2015 President's Cup Playoff MVP. Uh, That's his academy. He's going to have some of his youth skaters out there participating in drills as well. So it is a free event for members, and members can invite their guests. They can come for free. And if you're not a member, you can still come. It's $10 at the door. But take advantage of this opportunity to see some trick shots, the fastest skater challenge, hardest shot competition. We're going to have a lot of fun on Saturday from 12 to 2, and we really hope you'll join us for our second skills competition at the Civic Coliseum this Saturday afternoon. I'm Joel Silverberg. Thank you so much for listening to the Knoxville Ice Beers podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey.